Our Old Testament lesson for this morning comes from the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. She restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Amen. Our text from the New Testament comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Therefore, since we, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Our gospel lesson comes from John chapter 15, verses 12 through 17. I invite you to stand in body or spirit for the reading of the gospel. These are the words of Jesus. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. It was the summer of 1977. I had a unique opportunity. I'd just finished my sophomore year at Friends University here in Wichita, Kansas. And I had been serving a church for a year and a half already at Summit United Methodist Church. But that summer, I had received the distinct opportunity to go to Enterprise, Kansas. Anybody been to Enterprise? And uh, be the pastor uh, substitute for three months. And there I would work full-time and try my hand at full-time ministry for the first time in my life. I would camp out in the parsonage, and uh, I had a rollaway bed that my parents had in the garage. I took it, put some sheets on it, and I had a card table and a chair, and that's the only furniture I had. And I had a blast. 
wonderful church. It's now the Enterprise Community Church as it seeks to reach out to all of its community. But in that great church, uh, there is a picture. You can look it up on Facebook. <clears throat> there is a picture. It's, it's the classic Warner Salmon uh, painting of Jesus knocking at the door. Some of you can picture that in your minds. And it's hanging uh, just to the, the right of the pulpit as you sit in the pew. And it's been there uh, ever since that building was built. And it continues there today. Well, that was a fun church to be a part of. The first Sunday, I gave them my very best sermon. And afterwards, uh, <laughs> one of the guys said, Pastor, a little long today. <laughs> Around here, we follow the KISS policy. Keep it short, stupid. Okay, so I did shorten it up a little bit for the next week. I never did make that particular fellow happy once when I left. But as they say, you'll make them happy at least once, either when you come or when you go. Um, but what I remember about that summer most poignantly is the one Sunday after the benediction... When a little boy who had to be about five or six years old, just as bright as can be, came up after the benediction and he wanted to speak with the pastor. And he came up and he was pointing at that picture of Jesus knocking at the door. Now, when I was a child, I had a little picture, like an 8 by 10 picture of Jesus knocking at the door, the same one by Solomon. Uh, it was a print and it was hanging in my bedroom. And so I was familiar with this uh, picture for uh, many, many years. And now this big one is hanging in one of the first churches I got to preach in. And he pointed to that and he said, Pastor, do you know why there is no doorknob on that door? And I went, what? <laughs> I'd seen that picture all these years and I didn't know it didn't have a doorknob on it. Every door has a doorknob on it. And so I was a little taken aback. And so I said, okay, why is there no doorknob on the door? Do you know? Go ahead. Well, he said, Pastor, it's because you have to open it from the inside. Wow. The wisdom of children. And I learned a valuable lesson that day that I have remembered all my years. That our Lord is going to come looking for us, just like the song, Reckless Love. He's going to come looking for us, and he's anything going to stop him from finding us. But he's not going to kick our door down. He's going to wait patiently until we open it and invite him in. How good is that? Wow. And thanks to that young boy who helped me see the power of the message of that painting. Well, what we often don't realize is that it's not just that there's no doorknob and you have to open the door from the inside. It's the fact that Jesus is there in the first place. Because Jesus doesn't have to show up at our doors. He doesn't have to come into our lives. Not at all. 
He's got the whole universe at his disposal. Why would he need us? And yet, he wants to be our very best friend. As we read in the scriptures just a moment ago, when Jesus told his disciples, I give you a new commandment, he said, you didn't choose me. I chose you, and I appointed you. It's, it's not like you did anything. It's like he did it first. And when he comes knocking at our door, it's because he's got you on his mind. You don't need a name tag when it's Jesus come knocking at your door. He wants to be a part of your life, and so he comes to you first. Ephesians 2.8 says, We are saved by grace through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God who chose us first by the power of an amazing grace which has the ability to overlook your sin, which has the ability to help you see the gift and the promise that is within each one of you and to help you know that you are his chosen one. Well, now that painting is a picture of Jesus knocking at the door, which comes from Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and will open the door to me. I will come in, and I will eat with them, and they will eat with me, and we'll be friends. Yes. Jesus, how many times in his travels around Palestine, conveyed the notion that God loved the people, and not just the people of Israel, but everybody, no matter what you look like, no matter what you smell like, no matter where you come from. And he even told parable after parable after parable. Like the one parable he told about the shepherd who one day got up and he was counting his sheep as shepherds were known to do because the night was a perilous time when uh, the animals could attack and steal some of the sheep. And he didn't count a full 100. He only counted 99 and you probably know that story. He left that 99 in the fold and he went searching for the one that was lost. And you know what? He didn't stop until he found the little lamb. And with great rejoicing, he came back to the fold. That's what the love of God is all about. It's not just that you can open the door and it's our free gift and willingness to do that. It's that he's on a doorstep in the first place. That's the Jesus I know. And then there's the story that Jesus told about the woman who had 10 coins and she lost one of them. And what'd she do? She rearranged the furniture. She swept the house. And when it got dark, she lit a lamp and she kept looking and searching until she found the coin that was lost. That's what the love of God is all about. That's who my Jesus is. Like a woman who will not give up until the coin is back. And then you know what she did? 
she ordered pizzas from the hut. And she got a bunch of two liters of pop, including root beer and Diet Dr. Pepper, and threw a party and called her friends and neighbors, and they celebrated. What, just over a coin? Well, why not? It was lost, but it's found. And then the story that Jesus told about the love of God who comes running after us when we are lost. It was like a father who had two sons, both of them wayward. The one went and squandered everything uh, he had in a faraway place, and the other one sat in the church pew and squandered it all by taking score of the hypocrites. And the father loved them both and invited them both to the party and ran after them and embraced them and kissed them and called them his own. That's the kind of Jesus I have in my life. Well, now, um, this morning when we got up, my dear sweet wife said, now, hon, this morning there'll be some extra things going on, so uh, follow the kiss principle. (laughs) But she's very kind. She said, keep it short, sweetheart. (laughs) And so that I will do. But what's the truth here? The truth is he's on the doorstep of your heart. He wants to be your friend today and every day. And really, that's the message we have to share. So I want to say thank you for the way in which you have shared that as a congregation, as a people, as individuals I want to thank you for the kindness and the culture of kindness that you have cultivated here in this congregation so that whoever comes within its doors will know that Christ dwells here and that everyone is welcome. Ephesians 4.32, let it be your guide. Now, I've asked several people to, to, to tattoo that on their arms. You got it? All right, and all a whole bunch of people have it tattooed on their arms, and you go get it tattooed on your arm. Be sure and shop around for the best deal. <laughs> you know, hun, that's a good idea. I might even do that. <laughs> yeah, will you help me shop for Ephesians four thirty-two? I don't like pain though, but anyway, um, <laughs> but friends. Thank you for the way in which we've been able to serve together and welcome people into the fold and to graciously let go of some of the ones that have wandered into other pastures because they're children of God too. Secondly, continue to be the grace that you want to see in the world because if anybody's going to share grace, it's going to start with us. Because the world is so filled with hatred and division and prejudice and dishonor. We get to be a part of the healing power of God's grace. And then thirdly, celebrate the diversity that you have embraced so many times. 
So that when we look around the room, when we look at the community, it doesn't matter who we are, what our creed is, how we see ourselves. We are seeking to see one another as God sees each one. In fact, if you want to know who God is, we're made in God's image. If you want to know what God looks like, Get acquainted with as many people as possible from as diverse a background as possible. And the more people you know and can look into the eyes of, the more you will know who God is. Wow. Thank you for the privilege of being able to serve amongst you. Now, I don't know about you, but when Christ comes knocking at my door, Not only do I want to open it from the inside and say, hey, come on in. I want to open it for others as well. Because when we open the door, it's not just about us. It's about everyone that we bring along with us. Thank you, Aldersgate, for being a bring-along congregation. A come-and-see congregation. A come-after-me congregation. Thank you so much. God bless you in the days to come. It's been a privilege to serve. Amen.